0: Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City. Destiny City Church. A community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God given destiny. We've been now for several weeks going through what it is, who we are and what we believe. And here's some of the things that we believe. This is our basically our statement of faith, and I'm gonna kind of go down to it till we get to The one we're on this week, which is the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Bible is the inspired, the only infallible, authoritative word of God that speaks with final authority concerning truth and morality. How many believe that? Amen. We believe that there's one God eternally existent in three persons, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We believe in the deity of our Lord Jesus Christ and his virgin birth and his sinless life and his miracles and his vicarious and atoning death through his blood in his bodily resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of God and in his personal return in power and glory. That for the salvation of the lost and sinful man, regeneration by the Holy Spirit is absolutely essential. We believe in the present-day ministry of the Holy Spirit by whose indwelling the Christian is able, enabled to live a godly life. We believe in the baptism and the Holy Spirit is promised by God to every believer to empower and equip them for service. And we believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the operation thereof in the present day church. Some people believe that some of the gifts are no longer needful for the body of Christ that they passed away with the establishment of the church at Pentecost and shortly thereafter. We don't believe that. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And His gifts are for the body. The Holy Spirit is the gift that He gives us. And those gifts are resident within the Holy Spirit. And we talked about one word that is charisma, which means uh, manifestation or manifester. And that means the dancing hand of God. So when God is, is exhibiting those gifts through us, we are the manifestors of those gifts. Last Sunday morning, we had a tremendous service, and I didn't even get to preach, but God preached. The Holy Spirit himself preached, not with words, but rather with demonstration of people being touched and ministered to by the power of the Holy Spirit. We didn't plan it that way, but you know, when the Holy Spirit wants to move, we just move out of the way and let him do what he wants to do. It was a glorious time, and I'm thankful for it, but um, also gave me another week to, to really hone in on this, this message this morning. And to talk about the the gifts of the Holy Spirit, what they are and the function that they have in the body of Christ. And so, let's look at the word in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 11. says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one, everybody say to each one. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, or the dancing hand of the Spirit, for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles, and to another, the, the distinguishing of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues, and to another, the interpretation of tongues, but one and the same Spirit works in all these things, distributing to, if I say it, each one individually, just as he wills. So the gifts are available not to just a specific group of people. The Holy Spirit is available to anyone who wants to receive him. Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So, all you got to do is ask for the gift that's available for you, and you can receive it. And when you do, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us and empower us and give us the ability to do the things that God has called us to do. The word power is the word dunamis, and it means ability. Everybody say ability. More than just ability, I mean, each one of us has an ability. I have the ability to open a door. I don't have the ability to lift a train. But with the power of God, there's nothing impossible. There's nothing we can't do with the power of God because we have supernatural ability. Dynamic dunamis, and when we look at the word dunamis, in the Greek it's dunamis. In the Latin, it would be dynamis or dynamo. So look at your neighbor and say, you're a dynamo. You're a dynamo for God. You have dynamic ability within you. A lot of us just don't realize what we have within us. God has put a deposit inside of each of us. And with that ability that God has given us, we have the ability to do great things because he's called us to do it. But more importantly, he's empowered us or equipped us to do it. Now, the gifts of the Spirit are known as the charismata. By say Charismata are the grace gifts, the gifts given by God that, 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 that he was, has put within us. And to those like us who acknowledge and practice these gifts are labeled as charismatics or Pentecostals. Anybody ever heard that phrase, the Pentecostals? We made denominations out of it, but it's more than just a denomination it is who we are as people. It's our characterizations of that. Of, and, and we've been labeled with that just as Christians were labeled as Christians. You know the Christians were first called Christians in Antioch. You know who called them Christians? It wasn't the church people that called them Christians. It was people outside said, look at those Christianes. It means followers of Jesus, followers of Christ. So we are charismatics because we've been labeled as charismatics because we express or use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We're not afraid to speak in tongues. As a matter of fact, Paul says, I pray that you all speak in tongues. He said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. So he was a charismatic, Pentecostal kind of guy. We could see that he operated in the gifts of the Spirit. He wasn't afraid of them, but rather he used them. So that's what God has given us these gifts for. They've been given to the church. To build up the church, to empower the church, to be the church, and to go and do what the church is called to do. That's to reach the lost, to heal the sick, to set those that are in bondage free, not just to come to church and speak in tongues to one another. That doesn't do us any good. You know, when we go before God and we pray in the Spirit, that's a good thing. But if all we do is come and operate just in the in the four walls of the church, we're not benefiting God or anyone else. As a matter of fact, sometimes we cause a lot of confusion when we do that. You know, Paul says I would that you all speak in tongues, but I would rather that you prophesy because when you prophesy, you're bringing comfort, you're bringing edification, you're bringing encouragement to one another when you prophesy because you understand what's being said. But if you speak in tongues to one another, nobody understands. He said, you might be giving thanks well enough, but who knows what you're saying? It's like when I go to Mexico, you know, things are lost in translation. I, just a couple of years ago, I was there, and 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 I I used an illustration. I said, you know, if we allow sin in our lives, it's like someone letting water into a ship. Well, those of you Navy people know if there's water in a ship, that's a bad thing, right? But if a ship is in the water, that's a good thing. It's where it belongs, right? And so I had a guy translating for me. Only he misunderstood what I said. He was from East LA. You know, in East LA, they say. Ship like sheep. There's a sheep out in the in the ocean. So when I said sh- ship, he thought I meant sheep. So he translated, if a sheep is in the water, that's a good thing. But if you let water into the sheep, that's a bad thing. And everybody looked at me like I was from outer space or something. They're all like... So after the meeting, we go out to have a, have a taco, you know. We're sitting around the table, and, the, and, and, and my traveling companion, Enmer, you know, who, who is Guatemalan, he says, Pastor Don, when you speak it this morning, you say something made no sense. I said, what did I say? He said, you say, when the sheep is in the water, that's a good thing. How is it a good thing if the sheep is in the water? And if water gets in the sheep... That's a bad thing. She's got to drink. I'm like, did I say that? He said, well, that's what he said. Oh, then I understood. Joshua was from East L.A. so lost in translation. So anyway, when we speak in tongues sometimes, people don't understand what we're saying. And in the church, we can actually cause confusion if everybody's just you know, speaking in tongues, but there have been those times when there have been glorious manifestations of God's presence when it seemed like everybody did, like on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came in like a rushing mighty wind, and they were all filled, and they all began to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives them utterance. God does that on occasions, but not on every occasion, so let me move on from there. Let me move to the first one here, okay? The gifts of of the gifts can be categorized as the following. The revelation gifts, first of all, which are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. And that's understanding gifts which produce insight into revealed truth and which convey the mind of God or God's thoughts. And then we have the the power gifts, which are faith and the working of miracles, the gifts of healings. These are action gifts which produce signs and wonders and which convey the power of or God's acts. Then we have the gifts of inspiration, which are prophecy, speaking in other tongues, and interpretation of other tongues, and speaking with tongues, which produce edification and comfort, and which convey the heart of God, or God's feelings. So, let's, let's kind of delve in and explore these gifts for just a little bit. So, here, the word of wisdom is listed first, so that's where we're going to start. So, what is the word of wisdom. Well, in the Greek, it's the, it's the word logos sophias. Sophia meaning wisdom. Logos meaning word or the logic or the wisdom of God. It's an utterance inspired by God and spoken by an individual. It is seeing what God sees and saying it, thus applying God's wisdom to a special Situation. So, there's a directive for every word of wisdom or logos or logical word. Sophia, which means wisdom, is a full understanding and proper application of knowledge. It's not the gift of wisdom, okay? Some people say, well, they just got the gift of wisdom. They're so wise. It's not that. It's that specific moment when God speaks to someone and he tells them something that they would otherly not know. And then he tells them what to do about it. Let me give you an example of this. And I've shared this before. But this is, is probably one of the clearest examples of, of the word of wisdom that I've ever experienced in my entire life or heard of. And it happened with my mom and dad. And they were traveling to go to an evangelistic meeting. And mom told my dad, you know, she was praying because the car we had was spitting and sputtering and was about to quit. And she told my dad. When you get across the top of the hill, the Lord said that there's a house there. You're supposed to stop at that house, and there's a man there going to give you a car. Okay. She'd never been that way before. They didn't know anybody on that road. They were going to a place that they'd never been before, and yet God spoke to my mother, gave her a word of wisdom to tell my dad and what to do. So when my dad got across the hill, sure enough, there was a house sitting there with two cars in the yard. And he goes and knocks on the door, and the man comes to the door, and he's drunk as a coot. But he had two sets of car keys in his hand. And he told my dad, said, go down and pick out the one you want. My dad said, how'd you know I was coming? He said, I don't know. But I knew you were. So here's the keys. You go get one, the one you want, just leave your other. When you come back later, we'll swap titles. So dad did. He went down and, and picked out the Cadillac over the Chevrolet, which is wise on his part. But... That was a word of wisdom. You see how God uses that for that particular situation. They were in need. God was going to supply the need. And so God told them what to do. Has anybody else ever experienced anything like that? Where you have a word of wisdom directed from God. Becky and I have. We've had a word of wisdom. We've had a prophetic word. We've had all of those. And I've had people to tell me things that were going on that I had no idea that anybody else knew about. And then tell me what to do about it. That's a word of wisdom. Only God knows that. Nobody else does. So that word of wisdom comes from God through the Spirit. God, through the Spirit, tells someone, puts it in their spirit, and then they speak it out. You see how it helps, how it ministers. Now, then there is there's the word of knowledge. The Greek, if you want to know the Greek, is the word logos gnosis. And it means an utterance inspired by God and spoken by an individual. It's insight into the things freely given to us by God. Now, an example of this is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This is a Passion Translation. It says, For we did not receive the spirit of, wor- of this world of this world's system, but the Spirit of God, so that we might come to understand and experience all that grace has lavished upon us. It shares the truth which the Spirit wishes declared concerning a specific occasion with a practical application of outpouring of God's love. This, there's no directive for the word of knowledge. In Acts chapter 14, verses 7 through 14, it says, from Tyre we walked to the town of Akko, and I greeted the believers there with peace. We stayed with them for a day. Then we went on to Caesarea and stayed for several days at the home of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven deacons, and the father of four unmarried daughters who prophesied. During our stay of several days, Agabus, a prophet from Judea, came to visit us. Kind of funny that prophets just like to hang out together. You know, they talk to one another and share what God is doing. And, you know, they don't even have to have to know what the other person's thinking, because God will tell them. So... So they're they're having this this visit. And as as a prophetic gesture, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it as he prophesied. He said, the Holy Spirit says, the one who owns this belt will be tied up in the same way by the Jews. And they will hand him over to those who are not Jews. When we heard this, we, both we and the believers of Caesarea, begged Paul, not to go to Jerusalem, but Paul replied, what do you, why do you cry and break my heart with your tears? Don't you know that I'm prepared not only to be in prison, but to die in Jerusalem for the sake of the wonder of the name of our Lord Jesus? And because we didn't persuade him, we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said nothing more except, may the Lord be done. Now God was showing Paul specifically what was going to be happening to him. Sometimes God will tell us things, and you know, we have the right then to make a decision. Paul could have chosen not to go there. Paul could have said I'm not going there. You know, I know I know now what they're going to do. So, but Paul said, "No. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to die because I love my people so much that I'm willing to go and to die for them if that's what it takes to give them the gospel." Would that we were as strong in our, our, our drive and our ambition for that, we were just at the EFI conference a couple of, uh, last week, basically, and uh, Larry Cockrum, who is over our, uh, our Hispanic congregations in all of EFI, which is growing, by the way, exponentially, we had to have two conferences because we had a Hispanic conference and then we had the English-speaking conference, but Larry was sharing about God told him to go to Nepal. How many ever heard of, heard of Nepal? How many ever been there? Well, Larry hadn't till then. And he's like, God, what do you, what do you want? You know, God wanted him to go. He had no idea where he was going, but he went under the direction of the Holy Spirit, and he prayed as he was going. And, and, and Philip went with him, who was uh, the chairman of EFI. And Larry said, you know, when they got there, he said, it was really hot, and said, you know, Philip couldn't stand the heat, and and so he went back home. And Larry said, the heat don't really bother me. He said, but I just don't want to get beat. (laughs) So he was more concerned about getting beaten, but he was willing to do it anyway. So they went to an indigenous tribe who had never, ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. God led them there. And I wish I could just remember all the details of the story. But the long and short of it is because of Larry's willingness to go and to minister to these people, God took him directly to the chief, and the chief got saved. And it was so cool because Larry said that the chief then, after he had given his heart to Jesus, after he had responded to the gospel, he got all the people of the village together and then basically told them, you must receive this Jesus you must give your heart to him. So they all did, you know, because the chief said to. But uh, I don't know, you know, obviously it took because they established a church there. So we have a thriving church in that indigenous area where Larry was told to go. Larry had to be willing to go, but Larry went because he was being led by the Holy Spirit to go to this particular area. And the Holy Spirit must have given him a word of knowledge concerning that because he went. So now, Paul's thing was, may the will of the Lord be done. And so we need to look at things that way too. May the will of the Lord be done. Then there's faith. It's not just saving faith. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, for by grace you are saved through faith. Okay? It's not just saving faith. Okay? We all have to have faith in order to be saved. We have to trust Jesus. We have to trust in the blood of Jesus and what he's done in his sacrificial work. This is more than that. It's, it is the, the word pistis. Everybody say pistis or peistis or whatever you want to pronounce it. It's the mysterious surge of confidence which sometimes arises within a person faced with a specific situation or need. You ever had those moments where faith just arises in you? You're willing to do whatever. It doesn't bother you. Whatever. You're willing to do it. Several years ago, uh, Bishop Miles asked Becky and I if we would go to Russia. And we'd never been to Russia before. And I told him, I said, you know, Bishop, I really don't have the funds to go, but if the Lord provides, I'll go. That's kind of a nice way of saying, I'll just put it in the Lord's hands and I'll just go about my business. I really, you know, I wanted to go, but I didn't have the money to go. And so, one Sunday morning, which happened to me, Mission Sunday at the church I was pastoring at the time, I told our missions director, I said, uh, um, um, You know, Bishop asked me to go to to Russia. He said, you going? I said, I don't have the money to go to Russia. That's quite an expensive trip. And uh, he said, well, what did you tell Bishop? I said, well, I told him that if the Lord supplied the need, I would go. He didn't say anything. So when he got up to take the missions offering that morning, he says, I'm going to do something this morning I've, I've never done before. And he says, he said, it's easier for me to probably... Get forgiveness, and it is permission, so I'm just going to do it. And he said, pastor's been asked to go to Russia. Bishop Miles asked him to go, and we believe he should go, or I believe he should. If you believe with me, would you be willing to give this morning so we can go? And I'm sitting there like... (laughs) But he took up an offering, and folks... I was blown away at the response. It was over $13,000 that came in for me to go to Russia, which meant I could take Becky with me too, which is great because we were gone for like 12 days. and, And there was so much that happened in that I could tell you all the stories that went along with it. But one particular incident that happened, and this is just the thing, when you walk by faith, God meets you at every corner. There's nothing he won't take care of when you're walking by faith and you're doing what God wants you to do. Well, we were catching a flight out of Atlanta, Georgia to Moscow, a direct flight so we had to be there at a certain time. So we left out at plenty of time that morning, but we'd been asked to stop at Spartanburg to pick up an offering to take with us to to give to one of the pastors. So we did. We allowed ourselves plenty of time. We left Spartanburg. We drove straight down 85. I had not been to the Atlanta airport in years, and I did not realize that they had redirected the traffic there. They had changed everything around. So, you know, as I'm riding along, you used to go down 85. There's the airport. Anybody remember that? And so that's what I was looking for. Only I never saw it. I never even saw an airport sign. I'm like, where's the airport? So we just kept driving and driving and driving, and Becky's over there with her infinite wisdom saying, Don, don't you think that maybe we might have gone too far? <laughs> so we overshot the airport by about 70 miles, which meant 70 miles in one direction and 70 miles back the other direction. If you get back in an hour's time, how long is it gonna, How fast are you going to have to drive? 70 miles an hour, right? And so we finally, I just finally got through my thick skull to stop and ask somebody. You know, men hate to ask for directions. But I stopped and I asked someone, I said, Where's the Atlanta airport? And the poor guy behind the counter says, it's About 70 miles back that way. And so we turned around and hightailed it back. So we're getting back close to the airport and I'm praying, Oh God, oh God, oh God, oh God, we're going to get it out. You know, I just could see that flight to Moscow, taking off, and all of those things. So we get back to the airport. I'm like, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. So we're praying in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you know, we don't run out of words to pray ourselves. I didn't know what else to pray. So, you know, I didn't know how to pray as you ought. So I'm just praying in the Holy Spirit with groanings and utterings that nobody could understand except God himself. And so we get back to the airport, and we drive up to the airport, and we, we pull into the terminal there. And we're praying. we got 30 minutes to check our luggage in, to park the car, to go through security. How many know that it takes a miracle? Well, one happened. It literally happened. Because as we're sitting there, this man came out of nowhere. It's like he walked out of the wall. And he came walking to us with a little cart behind him. Had, on a, had a uniform on, the airport uniform. Walked right up to our car. Passed by about three or four cars. Came right up to us. Motion for me to roll down my window and say, can I help you folks? I said, we have got to catch a flight to Moscow in just a matter of minutes, and I don't have the car parked, and I got all this luggage, and my wife, we have a check through. He says, calm down. It's going to be okay. He said, you just leave your wife here with me in the luggage. We'll take care of that. You go car park the car and come back. I didn't think about anything. I never saw this guy before in my life. He could have been a murderer. I don't know. But I had to trust God. So uh, Becky gets out of the car. I leave her in the luggage, and and I go to park the car. Well, there's six terminals at, at at Atlanta. So every terminal, every time I got to a parking place, they were all full, lot full, lot full, lot full. And I'm thinking, Oh God, I gotta get back. You know, be still and know that I'm God. <laughs> Be anxious for nothing. So I'm thinking all those scriptures, you know, and peace be still and all these other scriptures I can think of. And I'm just like, and then I see a sign that says just like one car pulled out and the light, the little sign changed. You know, lot full to space available. So I pulled in and the first spot when I got in was available. So I pulled into it. Went across the street and I go into this terminal. I don't know where I'm at, but I go in and I'm like, oh, Lord Jesus, what are, where am I? You know, because it's just like overwhelmed. I'm like, Lord, you got to help me. And I no sooner stepped into this place than my phone rings, my cell phone. So I reach and I grab my cell phone, I open it. And it's this guy, Pastor, where are you? I says, I don't know. <laughs> He said, well, just stay on the phone. He says, what does it look like where you are? Describe your surroundings. So I described what it looked like. I said, oh, I know where you are. He said, just stay on the phone. In about 30 seconds, he comes walking up. I'm like, how did he get from there to here in that little... So... He just says, follow me, pastor. So I followed him. We went down some stairs, got on a tram, went back to the other place. We get back there. And this guy takes me. I said, where's my wife? He said, she's okay. She's already on the plane. So I get back. He walks me through. We go right past security, right up to the door of the plane. Another miracle. How many of you have ever known security lets you do that? Never. Never. So we walk right up to the plane. They're standing there waiting for me with a big smile. I walk in. The people up front clap their hands. <laughs> I go and take my seat, and we prepare for takeoff. And I'm sitting there processing what just happened. I'm like, Becky looked at me. She says, Don. I said, yeah. Do you, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I said, Yeah. An angel, right? Yeah. She said, but I hope you don't mind. She says, I, I, gave him, I gave him a $50 tip. I said, I hope you don't mind. I did too. <laughs> she said, but if he's an angel. I said, well, if he's an angel, he'll know where to put it. It'll be fine. I'm convinced it was. I am totally convinced that God sent an angel To carry us through. Now, why do I tell you that in relation to faith? We were taking a step of faith, and at that moment, God was providing for us. God was taking care of every need that we had at that moment. God was, I mean, it was a supernatural thing that was going on. It's just like you walk by faith and not by sight. You just do what God tells you to do, you just go with it, right? And so God took care of every situation. We made it to Russia on time. And and the greater miracle was when we got to Russia that that they were able to handle all of our luggage when we got there. That was a greater miracle. But anyway, that's another story in itself. But uh, faith is that trans-rational or otherly, otherly certainly of assurance that God is about to act through a word or action. It's both the irresistible knowledge of God's intervention at a certain point and the authority to effect or to work this intervention through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's different from saving faith in its primary function, but, function, but it's not in its nature. Or the function or the charisma of faith is to manifest God's power to those in need. Paul was preaching in a little, in a little town called Lystra in Acts. And he was preaching, and as he was preaching, there was a man sitting there who had been lame in his feet from his birth up. He'd never walked before, probably about 40 years of age. And as he's preaching, Paul discerns that that man has faith to be healed. So he says to the man, I perceive that you have faith to be healed. Stand up and be healed. And the man stood up, and he was healed. So there was a a word of wisdom that came to Paul concerning that man but there was a gift of faith in that man to believe god because of the word that had been planted in his heart faith comes by hearing hearing and hearing by the word of god you see it works in both direction now it was paul's faith that caused that man to stand up but it was that man's faith that caused him to stand up as well and both of them working in tandem through the power of the holy spirit that man was healed it's just like Peter at the gate of called beautiful. Now, if the man who had sat there from birth up and had reached out to out to Peter and John, and when they told him, I don't have any silver or gold, but what I do have, I give it to you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. If he would have pulled his hand back, he would have still been sitting there, and the story would never have been written. But he reached out his hand and Peter took it and raised him up, and the man was healed. You see how faith works. Is that moment, in that moment when God speaks to us and faith is generated? It's hard to explain. Sometimes it, it's unexplainable. Then there are gifts of healings. The gifts of healings are plural, these are the actual events of healings themselves, which sick persons receive. Someone may say, Well, I have the gift of healing. Yes, you do. If you're a believer, the gift of healing is resident within you. But not just that you walk around as a healer, touching everybody and healing them everywhere you go. If we could do that, we could walk into the hospitals, clean them out, shut down the medical establishments because there would be no need for them, right? But there are gifts of healings. There are times when God moves supernaturally through people to Bring forth healing. Now, in an atmosphere of faith and belief, there is healings that take place. I shared my our, our experiences of being at a Benny Hinn crusade. Regardless of what you think of Benny Hinn, let me tell you, God is real and His power is real. I've seen it. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've watched people get out of wheelchairs. I've watched them take oxygen tanks off of their face and walk around and shout and praise God and jump for joy because of the healing power of God. I've seen cripples get up out of wheelchairs and walk and run who had never been able. I've seen their limbs straighten out through the power of the Holy Spirit just watching them. And this would be hours before Benny Hinn ever set foot on the platform because there was an atmosphere of faith and people were believing God for miracles. You know what? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, verse 27, to a man who had come to him and cried out to him for healing. A man who had been blind. And he said, Lord. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, I want to receive my my sight. He said, do you believe that I can do this? And the man said, yes, Lord, I believe. Well, Jesus made this statement. He says, as is your faith, so be it unto you. As is your faith, so be it unto you. So we see faith at work in not only receiving our miracles, but faith in proclaiming those miracles as well. Because when we proclaim the word of God and we speak it and it generates faith in someone else they believe. And so faith is in operation and people are healed. And gifts of healings take place all the time in an atmosphere of faith. That's why when Jesus went into the house of Jairus and his daughter was, was in the bed and she had already died, what did he do? He goes into the room and he kicks out all the unbelievers. And he takes those who would stand with him in faith. And they go into this room and Jesus raises her from the dead. That's what it takes is faith and believing in God. Unbelief cancels faith. Unbelief stops people from being healed, and people ask all the time, if God is able to heal, why are there not more healings taking place? Because people don't believe. We don't believe because if we believe, as Jesus said, as is your faith, so be it unto you. We believe God. God works miracles. Sometimes it happens just like that. Other times, we have to stand in faith. We have to fight the good fight of faith. We have to stand upon the promises of God's word. We got to hang on and not give up. But God is faithful. God is faithful. I'm a living testament of that this morning. God is faithful. If it wasn't for God, I would not be here. I wouldn't. I would have been dead a long time ago, but God through his mercy and his power and by the promises of his word, he sent his word and he healed them. When I got a hold of the promises of God's word and I made a choice to stand on the authority of God's word and not listen to anything else but the promises of God, I saw my miracle manifested and I'm healed. Bless God. So gifts of healings are events or progressions which a person receives in the emotional, spiritual, or physical areas of life. Not just in the physical. Also in the emotional, in the the mental areas. People that have been tormented for years. People who have had those voices in their heads and all of those things are set free by the power of the Holy Spirit delivered. That's a healing that takes place in the mind. People who struggle with worry and and doubt and unbelief for years when they believe God and they get a hold of the promises of God, God heals their mind. It makes men and women of faith out of them. So the gifts of healing are the operation of the charisma, a charisma of, of faith on people. Then we have the working of miracles. This is the effects of miracles of powers. The release of the miracle-working power of God, that's what they are. These are the events in which people and things are visibly and beneficially affected in an extraordinary way by the power of God working through an an individual working or or energy or power. It's the dunamis of God of the operation of the charism of faith on things or situations. Now, I like to use practical examples of things that I've seen with my own eyes, Okay? This is not things that I'm telling you about that I've seen others do or things, but when we were in Mexico on our first trip down to Chiapas several years ago, uh, we were, there was a particular man who was a, 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 a police officer, and he, had, he was my translator. He was a retired police officer from the Bronx. The only reason we had him is because our flight had been, we missed our flight in Mexico City, so we got there five hours late. And the translator that they had lined up for me had to go home. So the only person they could find to translate for me was they drugged this man out of a bar. And uh, he was a retired police officer, about 60-something years of age. His name was Mario. I'll never forget him. But uh, when, we, get, when he, we were on our way from the airport to the hotel, God gave me opportunity to witness to him. So I, I shared with him. I witnessed, man, I poured it on thick. I just laid it on. I told about the mercies of God. I talked about the goodness of God, the love of God, and how God wanted to change his life, and how God wanted him to, to, to know him, and, you know, all of this stuff. When we get back to the hotel, you know, he's, he's listening. I had no idea he was really listening because, you know, he was being kind of, how should I put it, curt, or, or just... You know, I guess he was putting on a front. But the next morning, we get ready for breakfast. They come pick me up. We go to the restaurant. The same guy's there. And I had no idea because I'd never met these people before. I knew very little about Ener. I knew less about Katya. So I didn't know if there was anyone there who knew how to speak the language other than this one guy. So they set him at the end of the table with me. And they're all sitting at the other end of the table, the pastor and the, and the uh, Mexican pastors on that end. And so we're sitting there, and Mario says to me, Pastor, I couldn't sleep a wink last night. I said, why? What's what's going on, man? I said, were you in pain? He said, no. He said, it's because of all the things you said. I said, what did I say? He said, you know what you was talking about? What you was talking about with, about Jesus, about salvation. I said, so you want to know more? He said, yes. So I sat there, and I shared with him, and then all of a sudden, the pastors were through on on this end, and they were ready to go, and and so as we were leaving, Mario says, well, pastor, I guess I'll see you later. I said, you're not coming to the meeting tonight? He said, no, not tonight. He said, I'm going to go drink with my buddies. He said, it's my drinking night. I said, are you sure? He said, yeah. So I reached out to shake his hand, and he pulled his hand back, and I asked him why, and he said, pastor, look at my hands. And his hands were knotted up with arthritis. He couldn't even open them. They were just gnarled like that. And I said, Mario, let me have your hands. And he said, no. I said, no, let me have them. I won't hurt you. So he put his hands in my hands. And I started to pray. Well, the other pastors came around him, and we, we laid our hands on him. We started praying for him. As we're praying, I look down, and I watch. Watch. And Mario's hands just straighten out just like that. And so when we said amen, I looked at Mario. I said, Mario, look at your hands. And he said, what to H? <laughs> I said, well, that didn't have anything to do with what just happened to you. I said, but Jesus just touched you. And when he walked in, too, his feet were, he was he was limping when he walked in, just like he could hardly walk. I said, Mario, I want you to do something else for me. He said, what's that? I said, I want you to stomp your feet. No. He said, they hurt. I said, they don't hurt anymore, Mario. He said, man, I got heel spurs. I got arthritis in my feet. that hurt so bad I can hardly walk. I said, not anymore, Mario. Just stomp your feet. So he started tapping his foot like that, and then he starts, you know, the next thing you know, he was doing like he was doing a... A mountain jig or something, you know, it's crazy. And God healed that man. And the short story of the night, that very night, he came to the meeting. He gave his heart to Jesus and six other people. God did a miracle. God does miracles all the time. I can tell you more and more miracles. You know, I'm a miracle. God healed me of asthma when I was an 18-month-old child. My brother fell out of a car, put 140-some stitches in his head. He was a hemophiliac. God gave him life. He, He passed away three years ago. 62 years of age. He should have made it past that moment, but God healed him. See, God is a God of miracles. And the the gifts that he has given us, he's put those gifts inside of us. We are the manifestors of those gifts. All we have to do is be willing to be the dancing hand of God. To let him use us to orchestrate these gifts in the lives of people. It's not you who are called upon to... Just turn them on and off just at a moment. It's up to you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit as to when you operate in those gifts. We are the manifestors. But the gift is actually for those who receive them. So you needed a word from God. God would give you that word. He would speak it to you. He would use someone else to speak it to you. Now, you, that would be the manifestor. You would be the receiver of that gift. You see how it operates? There's more, and I'm not going to be able to finish up today, so we're just going to have to come back next week and and pick up where we left off. So next week, we're going to talk about prophecy. Anybody interested in that particular subject and how it operates? We'll come back next week. We'll pick up there because I just don't have time to really get into it. But I tell you what God wants to do. He wants to manifest His gifts even today. God wants us to do more than just show. He wants, I mean, to tell. He wants us to show The gifts, operation of the gifts in the body of Christ. Let's just stand on our feet this morning. I just feel like there's someone here this morning whom God uses primarily in the gift of prophecy. To speak to people. Now, I haven't covered that gift yet. I will. But I want you to understand that we're not afraid to be used In the area of the prophetic. We welcome it. We we want to honor God with it. So if ever you feel that there's a prophetic word to be given. Here are the steps to take. Just come to the pastor and let me know. Okay. And we we will give you time to operate in that gift. If there's a word of knowledge for a particular individual. You don't even have to do it in the service. You can go to that person in private and give them that word. Sometimes we do it as a show. But. It's not to show, it's to tell. It's to do what God wants us to do to minister to someone. Manifest those gifts. Use those gifts when, whenever God wants you to, wherever you're at, in any moment, in any situation. God will honor them. God will honor you as you do. Let's just pray. Father, I pray over your people this morning. Father, we release those gifts in every individual here. God, help us, Lord, to take the cap off. Lord, to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us, Father, to to use those gifts, to use those gifts. You've been listening to Destiny City Church, a community of believers committed to helping others find and fulfill their God-given destiny. For more information, visit us online at destinycity.org.